Good morning. <clears throat> Ask you to excuse my voice. There was a minor incident last night that uh, resulted in lots of screaming, sorrowfully, and then happily, but lots of screaming. It was so minor that I almost changed my sermon for today. And then I thought, no, Steeler Nation's not ready for the good news just yet. It's a little early. So we'll go back to the original plan. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 uh, was part of the daily Bible reading this past week. So you have maybe read it so far, or maybe you're saving up a couple of chapters to read all at once. But Psalm 23 is, of course, very popular, very well known. Most people with little church background or extensive church background would be familiar with this psalm. So that's good. That's good for us. Uh, that's good for this morning, too, because hopefully what we can tease out from the word of the Lord here will give you some fresh perspective, <clears throat> fresh perspective on this psalm. When you read the psalms, and we talked about this several months ago, you need to keep two questions in mind, and Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 kind of set those questions out for us. They're an introduction to the book, and they give you an idea, a guide, on how to approach the rest of the psalms. And the two questions we need to ask ourselves as we read every psalm is, are, what should I trust, or who should I trust, and what should I obey, or who should I obey? What do I need to believe, in other words, and what do I need to do about it? And those questions are going to be really important for Psalm 23, as they are for every other psalm. So keep an eye out for what you need to trust. Keep an eye out for what you need to believe. And keep an eye out for what you need to obey and what you need to do about the truth that David is sharing with us. Okay, so that's my introduction. The title is called of this is The Lord as Shepherd. I want to explore a little bit, just a little bit, what that means. So Psalm 23, verse 1 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. You and I, I, I don't know how much experience you have with actual sheep herding, with actual shepherds, but I think our understanding in our context, in our culture, we don't see, like, we, we, we don't see this in any other way other than, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. That's really good. Shepherds are good. Shepherds do good things. Shepherds are good, and they're important. So that's great. The Lord is my shepherd. What I want you to do is try to think of what the readers around David, in David's context, in David's culture, might have thought when they first heard this, that the Lord 
is my shepherd. By the way, it's interesting to note that so many names in the Bible, so many people we follow in the word of God, that their job is shepherd. Abel, first one. Rachel was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Joseph was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. And of course, David himself was a shepherd. And why that is remarkable, I think, is that generally the reputation of a shepherd was bad. Not good. They weren't people you'd want to be around, necessarily. Generally, shepherds were outcasts. And really, their only worth comes from the safety of the sheep. Their only worth, however many sheep they can keep alive. Because the sheep have value. And the shepherd's just there to make sure that they stay alive. There are plenty of examples within Scripture itself of the violence that people associated with shepherds. Before Moses uh, really knew his wife, he came upon her and her sisters, and they were being attacked by shepherds because these girls were trying to get water for their sheep, and the shepherds were so territorial that they were keeping anyone from the water that they didn't approve of. And so the Moses had to literally fight them, physically fight them. Shepherds were considered dangerous. They lived out by themselves. And what's interesting, and um, I didn't even remember this, but in Genesis 46, Joseph tells us exactly what the Egyptians thought of shepherds. And he says, in the New King James, he says, they're an abomination to Egyptians. He's telling his, he's counseling his brothers. He's, or, he's ruling in Egypt. He's already revealed himself. And he says, okay, we're going to go meet Pharaoh now. But listen, don't tell him you're a shepherd. Don't tell him you're shepherds. Egyptians hate those kind of people. They hate that profession. And so that's why I think it's remarkable that so many people that the Lord uses throughout his word, throughout his story, are shepherds. David, when he's writing this psalm, why didn't he say, the Lord is my king? Everybody could get behind that. The Lord is my creator. Everybody could get behind that. The Lord is majestic. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And what's interesting, too, is I find, I think, is that God doesn't just raise up shepherds. He doesn't just use shepherds, but he calls himself a shepherd more than once throughout the Bible. In Genesis 48, Jacob says, God, you are a shepherd. And God says, yes, I am your shepherd. In Isaiah 40, Isaiah says, God, you're our shepherd and God says, yes, I am your shepherd. And in Psalm 80, and there's other places, there was just too many to count. God is called the shepherd of Israel, the one who will lead the sheep to Zion. In uh, Ezekiel, there's a, there, it was just too much. I couldn't, couldn't fit it all in here. But in Ezekiel, there's this beautiful 
beautiful passage where God himself says, you are scattered and lost. I will be a shepherd that you need to bring you back again. So there's this interesting, I don't know, obsession that God has with this station of shepherd. And I think it only makes sense if you understand the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, things work out differently than we would expect. Does God call himself king? Of course. Does God call himself creator? Of course. Does God call himself above and beyond anything we could imagine? Of course. But so often he comes and he says, I am also a shepherd. And David's keying in on that aspect of God's character here in Psalm 23, something he knows a lot about having been a shepherd, having been the lowest of the low, having been the least likely to do anything but care for sheep, a job that nobody really wanted, and then being risen from that by God to the throne of Israel. David uniquely understands what God means when he says, I am a shepherd. Like most things in God's upside down kingdom, a shepherd, a shepherd's true mission reflects the might and power of our God. What people then might have thought about shepherds when they looked on the outside blinded them to the fact, to the importance of the role of a shepherd. So David goes on when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he says this, I shall not want. I shall not want. Another translation, the Christian Standard Bible says, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. You see David switch, maybe not really switch, but he really shows that he is talking from the perspective of the sheep. Those looking out at the shepherds looked down on them, didn't think they were that important, didn't think they were that special, didn't think they were worth anything. But who knows the intrinsic value and worth of the shepherd? better than the sheep. The sheep understand the character and the nature of the shepherd in a way that those outside looking in say, why do you love, why, why do you follow them? Why do you care about them? What's so special about them? And the sheep understand. So David says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I shall not want. If you turn to John 10, Jesus himself picks up on this idea, picks up on this teaching, picks up on this truth about the character of God, and he wants to share with, those, with people exactly what the Lord is my shepherd means, how it actually plays out, how it's needed, 
how it's necessary, how it's the only hope for any lost sheep is to follow God as shepherd. In John 10, the title in my Bible says, I am the good shepherd. Perhaps it says the same thing in your Bible as well. There are three things at least that Jesus points out about the good shepherd. I'm going to start in verse 1 and then I will we'll point out some of these things. And then I want to go back to Psalm 23 and see how both Psalm 23 and Jesus in John 10 are saying the same thing about God as our shepherd. In John 10, verse 1, it says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up up from some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Right there in that first section, we see the first thing that it means for us as sheep. It means that we hear and are led by the voice of the good shepherd. There are many things in this life, in this world, many voices vying for your attention, many things trying to shepherd you. And what Jesus is saying here is, you have to know my voice. You have to hear the voice and understand the voice and practice listening to and following the voice of the true good shepherd. David, I think, understood that when he says, I have everything I need. If God is my shepherd, I have everything I need because David could discern the voice of the Lord in his life. He could hear the words of God guiding him in his life. Jesus says, my sheep will know my voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus this morning? He's calling to you. From his word, he's calling to you. From his church, he's calling to you. The spirit is calling to you. Will you respond? Will you come into his flock? And then will you spend your days developing your skills of listening, hearing, and obeying his voice? That's one thing the good shepherds, that God as our shepherd does for us is he speaks to his sheep and he guides them. And there's more that he does for us. If you go to verse 11 of John 10, it says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, 
and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. If you had a huge flock of sheep and you had to hire shepherds, unless you knew these people really well, you had no idea whether or not the dangers they would face and the hard life they chose to live taking care of your sheep was going to be worth enough to keep your sheep alive. A flock of sheep would have been a massive investment. And Jesus is pointing out this interesting thing here that there are shepherds, all kinds of shepherds out there who don't really care about sheep that they are leading, but who are only in it for personal gain. And that when the wolf comes, when danger arrives, when things get tough, those shepherds, hirelings, they run away. Why? Because they don't care about their sheep. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, He's talking about a bond with his sheep that is so beautiful, so strong, so important to the shepherd that when the wolf comes, when danger approaches, the shepherd would even be willing to die to save the sheep. If you're just in it for the money, that might not be worth it for you. So Jesus says, I'm in it for much more than personal gain. I'm in it for the redemption of sinners and for the glory of God. For the salvation of the sheep and for the glory and magnitude and majesty of God. If we understand that God is our shepherd and what Jesus is saying when he's saying the good shepherd, how can we not stop and reflect and worship the amazing love and beauty, compassion and mercy of our God? I think that's just in that first verse of Psalm 23. I think David is, wants us to understand that, to take a minute to stop and to think, what does that mean, that God is my shepherd? So he's our guiding voice. He's our sacrificial protector. And interesting, of course, you know Jesus compares himself to a sacrificial lamb as well. So he calls himself a shepherd and a sheep given for the rest of the flock. And then in John 10, uh, verse 10, it says this, and I won't. I want to read you this as well. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The good shepherd gives us his guiding voice, even gives us his sacrifice his, of his own life for our sins, and he comes to give us life abundantly. He comes to give us everything that we need. And so I don't know if Jesus had studied Psalm 23 and he was thinking, I've got, and I got a good teaching, I got a good sermon to really show people what this means, what David meant there. But I feel like 
he had to have been reading this very recently when it was time to talk in John 10 because it, it is, they are so connected. So if Jesus came to give us life and, more, and life more abundantly, go back to Psalm 23 and let's look at exactly what that means for the sheep. In verse two it says this, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. For a sheep, green pastures is everything you want. It's everything you need because that means you have, every, you have all the food you could possibly eat. And what do sheep want to do? They, they want to eat. So the Lord is shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, he li- makes us lie down in green pastures. And to lie down means you're at peace. You're not worried about the wolf. You're not worried about the enemy. You're not worried about danger. You can have that sweet, sweet relief. And it says he leads me beside the still waters. Well, if you need to eat, you also need to drink. Sheep want to eat and they want to drink. And they don't have to worry about raging waters sweeping them away as they bend down to get a drink. They go right up to a quiet pool and they drink as much as they need, as much as they want. And then when they're thirsty, they go back and do it again and they're not waiting in any sort of desert to be fulfilled. I'd say that that describes poetically what Jesus might have been getting at when he says, I come to bring you life and life more abundantly. Depending on the shepherds you might follow in your life, they might be able to lead you to some good places. But God promises that if you want to lie down in green pastures, if you want to drink at still waters, if you want true, fulfilled, abundant life, that you must follow him. Verse three says, he restores my soul. I assume, I think this ties to those moments when when you have come to the end of your rope, when you've come to the brink, when you've come to the lowest place you could find yourself. Restoring my soul, to me that says, I've been brought low by circumstances, whatever. And going back to the shepherd brings me back to the heights. Brings me back to a place of peace and assurance. I think maybe David's getting at that when he says he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Well, that ties exactly to what Jesus said. Jesus' sacrificial love, his giving of his life, was to give you and I or any of his sheep righteousness. It was to take away the shame and the death of our sin. And it was to give us new, clean robes of righteousness. So when Jesus says he's the good shepherd, and he's saying, I'm the shepherd that David's talking about in Psalm 23. I mean, you can be assured that it's the one and the same because they're both concerned with the righteous robes of the sheep. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. 
Jesus said in John 10, if you remember, I, the sheep know my voice. I have a guiding voice. I speak to them. I, I show them where to go. I don't just say, okay, now you trust me. Figure this all out on your own. I give you these guidelines. I give you these things to do. I give you this path to take. I give you this help. And David's just saying that again here in verse 4. The way that a shepherd has a staff and the way that a shepherd has some tools with him that helps him guide the sheep, keep the sheep on the right path, correct the sheep when they need to be corrected, save the sheep when they need to be saved, and fight off the enemy when the battle comes. I mean, David as a sheep is saying, I don't fear any of that. I can walk happily in the path of my shepherd because I know he cares so much for me that he will keep me safe. So just to wrap this up, verse five and six takes a little bit of Psalm 23, takes a little bit of a different turn here. We kind of move away from the shepherd sheep language, but still applies. You can still be a sheep and read five and six and God can be your shepherd and it will make perfect sense. But we get a little bit of a different picture here, kind of a picture of a guest being invited over to a home. And not just any home, but the home of the king. Right? God is my shepherd. God's also my king. Your guest invited over to the home of the king, and the king says this. The king prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The king anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the shepherd king forever. If you're a sheep in the flock of the good shepherd, if you're one of God's own children, if you worship the shepherd king, then this is a promise to you. It's a promise that is true right now, and it's a promise that is true for eternity. Goodness and mercy, overflowing fulfillment of your life, that is yours. It was secured for you. It was secured for me when the good shepherd became like a sacrificial lamb, willingly died on the cross for my sin, for your sin, and rose again three days later, defeating death, defeating the power of sin. He made these promises possible for you and for me if you're part of the sheep, if you're part of the flock of God. And he wants you to be part of that flock. If you're here this morning and you're not, he wants you. He's inviting you, calling you. He says, I'm the door, right? He said that in John 10. Come in. Come into the flock through me. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Put your faith and your trust in Christ. Turn your sins, your old man, your selfish desires over to God and say, Lord, I need the cleansing blood of Christ in my life. I believe that Jesus died for me. When you do that, you become a sheep in the flock of God, and these promises are for you. 
And the promises are for you, those sheep who have been walking in the flock of God. The promises are for you, and you've realized that life, the enemy, sin, the old man that we still struggle with is doing everything it can to take your attention away from the good shepherd and to remind you that you're just a weak little sheep surrounded by wolves. And the good shepherd says, come to me, follow me, stay with me, I'm watching. I'm ready. I'm ready for those wolves. I'm here. Come to me. So I hope your heart is encouraged, and I hope you will believe that God is your shepherd and that God is the good shepherd and that Jesus is your shepherd and Jesus is the good shepherd. That's what I hope you will believe from Psalm 23. And there's so many other things to believe as well, but I also hope that you will obey the voice of the good shepherd. What you need to do about it is to follow Jesus, follow Christ. There's no hope any other way. Sheep are helpless. They're only as safe. They're only as strong. They're only as protected as the shepherd that guards and guides them. And so the worth of the sheep, interestingly, again, in this upside down kingdom, you know, people thought a shepherd's only as good as the sheep. But a sheep are only as good as their shepherd. So will you make Christ your shepherd? And will you continue to follow his voice as we continue down to that final resting place of green pastures and still waters and no sorrow, and no suffering, and no wolves as we make this journey together as the community, as the body of Christ, as the sheep and the flock of God. Let's encourage each other with these words. Let's encourage each other with the true character of the creator king of this universe who is also a shepherd. Too weak, silly, wrong, helpless, Sheep, for them, for us, he would die. He loved us enough to be our shepherd. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reflections in the Psalms for writers like David who very quickly and, and succinctly were able to share these massive implications, these massive truths Father, in, in, in so interesting ways. Father, I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who has not made you their shepherd, has not come into the flock of Christ, that they would. Holy Spirit, you would move in their hearts to bring them to that decision. That you would show them their need, the only way to have fulfillment in this life and in the next is to be one of the sheep of God, is to follow the good shepherd, is to put our trust solely in him for our salvation. So Father, please bring your sheep. And Lord, I pray for those who are already in the flock and who are continuing along the path, Lord, 
that you continue to encourage them, you continue to guide them, you continue to make your voice known to them loud and clear, that we would develop that skill of listening so that all we hear is Jesus and we're not distracted by other shepherds. Father, thank you for saving us, for loving us, for not just being our king, but for being our shepherd as well. We thank you and we love you and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, amen.